Well, we're here in the war room, I guess you would call it, for Federal Williams right here at their headquarters located off of Jolly. If you're taking Dunkel Road exit off of 496, that's the way to get here on the south side of Lansing heading east toward East Lansing. And as is custom, Mike Williams joins us here from Federal Williams. Mike, always appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Uh, take us through, like, uh, people walk in, it's my first time visiting, mm -hmm. what they can expect, what they will encounter. Yeah, well, this room in particular, I know no one can see it, but it's definitely a good way to describe it, the war room. Mm -hmm. uh, it's education, It's you get speakers in here, kind of walk you through the ins and outs of buying, selling, uh, documents, all the stuff essentially that is real estate related. Um, so this is definitely like the learning learning center for here. Um, it's pretty classroom <laughs> classroom setting for sure as you see but it's a lot gets done in this room learning yes for you as you got involved in real estate and you kind of found your niche and you determined this is what you wanted to do mm -hmm. what were some of those kind of welcome to the big time moments i guess where you said okay now i get the feel of this thing it's a good question I know. honestly <laughs> um so i've always had like uh I've, my background's in the construction and finance industry mm -hmm. real estate related i mean so to this day i still have a pretty big commercial portfolio um so honestly i guess the big moment was when inventory on the flipping side of things dried up um so when the market got better i kind of at a crossroads do i continue to do this and have my margins go down or you know if you can't beat them join them and joining them was the sales side of stuff hmm. which i do now um so I would say that's kind of like the big moment was when I realized my margins weren't as great on flipping homes uh, that I switched to the sales side. This was about four years ago and then started this power team and here we are. So you see it from the other side. That mm -hmm. gives you a unique perspective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And observing it from the outside in, how did that affect your approach to it? Um, I think, well, going back to the education side, I was coming at it from more of a construction side of things, yeah. you know, I mean, when you've ripped apart a house to a studs, you, you learn some things and you, you network with electricians and plumbers and contractors and investors. I mean, so honestly, the transition was pretty, pretty smooth. Um, and going into the sales side of stuff, I always say the best sales is being able to educate and present facts. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can't sell something that's, you know, a bad product, you know, people aren't going to by it. So I guess the best thing is, is facts. And I think that part of the th um, my startup in the career, that taught me the facts of things. So when clients ask questions, you know, what needs to be done for this basement? Well, there's a stress crack in that foundation. Here, here's three numbers of people that can come out and check it out just to make sure we don't have a problem. You know, people appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Again, that's the best sales is just knowing your product what you're selling. And he knows his product. Mike Williams joining Thanks. us. Federal Williams here. This time of year, we've talked about it as seasons change. And here we are coming into the fall weather season, people looking to sell homes, buy homes. If you could maybe distill it down, the most frequent questions you get this time of year, either from a buyer or from a seller. Um, from a seller right now, is it is it a good time to sell? Um, and it's always a tough question to answer because real estate is definitely like a localized market. Mm -hmm. um, it's not based on national, yeah, there's some cities that sell real estate more than others. I mean, that's just how it goes. Um, so the big question right now with sellers, is it a good time to sell? Um, my answer to that is we got to look at the inventory. Um, if inventory's down, then absolutely. Yeah, it's a great time to sell. If the inventory's up, right now things are kind of teetering, trending towards let's stop and hold for a little bit and wait till next year. Hmm. Um, but right now, inventory is still very low and there's a lot of buyers looking for places. So depending on what area you're in, I'd say go for it. What's the number one thing you would tell a buyer right now? 
get pre-approved. <laughs> make, sure, <laughs> make sure your finances are in order before we start looking. Um, good advice. Yeah, that's the big thing. About, you know, it, again, it's a uh, law of supply and demand. I go back to that every single time. You know, if there's more houses to choose from, you're going to be in what's called the buyer's market. If there's less, you know, it's a seller's game. So it's really kind of tipping that scale all the time. Got to ask you this now. Mm -hmm. Are you a buyer or a seller on Michigan State going forward from here? <laughs> I'm a buyer, you know. Okay, okay. I, I don't know. I, I look back notoriously at how we always start out. I mean, no matter how big of a powerhouse team we have, I mean, we always start slow. We don't blow teams out. That's just, it's never mm -hmm. been our MO. So I like to see a W go up. <laughs> that's that's for sure. But um, I, I'm, I'm buying into it this year. You know, I'm excited to see how we do in the big games. Even this weekend. I mean, Northwestern. Sure. You know, it's always a good game. Whether they go, we go there, they come here, it's always a grind. You know, that's a game that will shoot. I think, what, 2010-ish in that ballpark when it was the biggest comeback biggest of all time. Biggest comeback ever, yes. 31 points. Yep. I mean, that's just how that game goes. Someone can be up 17 and it's, you're never out of it until that buzzer rings at the end. You know, so I'm excited for this weekend. Um, I'm definitely buying into the, the process, so to speak. We have a lot of kinks to work out and those kinks have been exposed. So D'Antonio, I hope we'll turn it around. And he said as much in my conversations with him this week, but another fun fact, not so fun for Michigan State, but Mike kind of alludes to it. There are two teams that have beaten Michigan State in each of the last two years. One's Ohio State, mm -hmm. the other one's Northwestern. Northwestern yep. who won in 2016 here in East Lansing. Uh -huh. And last year, of course, the exciting overtime affair that the Wildcats dealt Michigan State one of its three losses. Northwestern was 10-3 and three a year ago as well, just like the Spartans yep. were, won their bowl game just like the Spartans did. But yet out of the gate, for they're snake-bitten here, Mike. And it kind of puts the fear in me. Like, this is a uh -huh. wounded animal. They're 1-3. and three. They probably should have beaten Michigan. They, they were up 17 nothing in I that know. game. Uh. Desperate team, yep. desperate measures. You hope Michigan State can match that. I do. I do hope. And uh, I feel like they prepare for us like we prepare for Michigan and Ohio State. You know, they're they're prepping for this game weeks in advance, not just the week prior. Um, and because of that, there's always a good game. Always. So hopefully it goes in our favor. And I hope we have corrected some of the things we're we're needing to correct. One last thing I want you to touch on is it's homecoming weekend. Yes. A lot of people coming back here. Yep. I mean, it's got to be good for business the whole weekend long. Yep. Uh, take us through a, a weekend in the life of Federal Williams. What happens for you personally? What happens for the business on the whole? So this weekend in particular, um, I would usually have a tailgate. This weekend, I'm not. I'm actually going up north for a little bit. Nice. So I'm going to be a bystander, kind of take it easy on the body for a little while, too. <laughs> okay. um, those tailgates can get <laughs> they can get fun. Are you um, the one that does the dives, like, from the top of the camera? <laughs> no, no, that okay. was uh, four years ago okay, or so. Okay, good. Yeah, no. Distant yeah, past. Yeah, I'll, I'll right. encourage the dive nowadays. Uh, <laughs> good, good move. I'll, I'll provide the material to do the dive. Good. Um, but, yeah, this usually, I guess, on tailgating, I mean, we, we venture off. We have our own tailgate. We'll go, you know, we'll invite clients. We'll invite... Yeah, pretty much anybody who wants to have a good time. You know, Spartan fans, typically. Yeah, oh, yeah. But um, and, and like anyone else, you know, just regular tailgate, have some fun, get out there a few hours beforehand, get rowdy in the stadium and cheer them on. So not going to be here this weekend. You'll be watching nope. the game, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. Then it's the trip to Penn State. And then two weeks from now, yep. think about it, Michigan, you're yeah. going to be here for that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I will not miss that game for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. You know, Michigan's had their struggles this year, too. Mm -hmm. So... 
eh, that that's always a, a dogfight anyway. In the game so far, Michigan's had a hard time getting started. Michigan State's had a hard time finishing. finishing. You're right. That's a good so point. looking at that fourth quarter, we'll see what happens. Always great talking to Mike Williams. Mike, always appreciate yeah, your thanks, time. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Mike Williams, federalwilliams.com. Don't forget, find them online, Federal Williams. That's F-E-D-E-R-A-U, Williams. Com. We turn now to Connor Hayward, running back for the Michigan State Spartans. He's had to carry a lot of the load with L.J. Scott out. They anticipate Michigan State having L.J. Scott back for this weekend's matchup with Northwestern. Had an interesting conversation with Connor this past week at media availability. Here's that conversation now. Connor, you had the team almost 100 yards of return yardage, both kick and punt, and you had one of the big ones, the first ones I believe it was, on the kickoff return. Take us through what's going through your mind on a kick return, what needs to happen, what your mindset is. Everybody, you know, it's not really about the returner back there, I don't think. I mean, to a certain extent it is uh, once he gets going. But honestly, it's about uh, other guys doing their job, you know, and you just fit off, fit off them. And, uh, you know, if they're doing their job, I, I'm doing my job. So, um, you know, uh, it's more about the full backs reading different things. And uh, I think Antoine Oreshke, they did a really good job with that. And uh, along with all the guys in the front line, because the front line's not hard and then so cool. And then uh, Max, they did a good job, you know. And you just had to kind of read it. It's like running power, but you have to be able to run through the smoke. Now, you anticipate that LJ will be back for this. You hope so as a teammate. Uh, for you, with Jefferson coming in, doing what he did, as a group, as a unit, how would you evaluate the running backs to this point? I think the running backs did a very good job, uh, you know. I mean, uh, Ladarius and Weston, you know. Mm -hmm. Weston showed a little glimpse of what he could do. And, uh, you know, I think that both of them, they uh, – are starting to get the coaches' trust a little bit more. And, uh, you know, uh, I think the running backs were, uh, you know, all competing and um, the best guy will play, and um, all four of us are ready to go. What's the next step for you personally? Um, you know, just improving, honestly. Just getting better in every aspect of my, my life and uh, as well as football. How impressed are you that Ladarius has gone from this quickly from a high school quarterback, really? to be able to contribute the way he has early on. I'm, I'm honestly not that surprised because I saw his stats in high school and I was like, I was kind of blown away. I was like, did they, was he a quarterback or was he a running back? But um, they said he was like a running quarterback. They just ran the ball. Like he run the ball the whole game, 30 times a game. I've never seen like anything like that. I mean, in high school, down south, no one runs that type of offense. They run like the Auburn offense out of gun though. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like a triple option. He said they ran and stuff like that. So. Not really surprised. I mean, as a quarterback in that offense, you should have those numbers, but those numbers were pretty impressive. I mean, you played a lot of different spots in high school too, but just to kind of to dial in on one position, is it? I mean, what is that adjustment like? Is it is it, is it tough at all? Or it, some of it is tough, but uh, if you're if you're a natural runner, and it's more of gaining the knowledge and you know just being able to block the guys at this level and just uh, being able to play at this speed. It's not more of it's not about uh, what you're able, what you you are, and what you aren't able to do, because uh, you know it's just learning, honestly. I see flashes at times of your dad and you, and the way that you run and, and the way that he ran. How much of a similarity do you think there is between the two of you? How much pride do you take in that? And how much do you maybe talk about those times with your mom, with Cameron, with everybody in your family? Yeah, every now and then in our group text after a game, I'll, uh, our family group text, I'll get a text and be like. Oh, he's running like his dad, stuff like that. So, um, you know, um, you know, it's a, it's an honor. But uh, I think we're two different backs. But uh, there's a lot I can prove upon, and uh, he he definitely was at a different level, I think, in this in his career at this time uh, at Pitt. So uh, I want to be better than him, but I know I have a lot, a lot, and uh, a lot to go. 
Scott, you go from three upperclassmen back to head of the depth chart last year to now you're essentially starting with LJ, I guess. How much of an adjustment is that, especially from a leadership perspective, when you are talking to guys like Darius, who are in the first year? It's not really that much different because uh, I prepare like I'm starting every week. You know, you have to go out there and uh, I hope Darius and Westerner and LJ, they prepare like they're the start of every week, which they do. Because uh, if not, you won't be ready when you come out there on Saturday. And Connor, we've seen a little bit of fire from you pushing back. I remember the Indiana game, maybe took a cheap shot at you. You fired back a little, got the penalty. But how much of this is what we're talking about here, your demeanor here, changes when you're on the field? Are you like a Jekyll and Hyde thing? Or are you a, a monster out there? What goes on? Uh, honestly, I, I'm, I don't usually get rattled. But uh, yeah. like one of our academic advisors, Mandy, she uh, came up to me and was like, oh, I've never seen you lose your compu composure. But uh I don't know. I shouldn't have done that, but uh, sometimes you have to show that you want it, and uh, I don't think that was a good way of me showing it. But, uh, you know, out there, I, I'm a little fiery. Uh, you kind of have to be a little fiery, and uh, at the offense line, seeing you, you want it, uh, they'll go out there and, you know, be ready to execute and, uh, you know, play to, play to their highest ability. Had a chance this week to follow up on Michigan State's win over Central Michigan. We mentioned their fourth quarter struggles. That was present in an article I wrote earlier in the week. Uh, kind of featuring and spotlighting and focusing on the defensive line in regards to pressuring Clayton Thorson, picking up their level of play, their intensity, holding each other accountable for finishing strong, something they haven't done, something when I talked to Kenny Willekes, when I talked to Mike Panashuk, when I talked to Raekwon Williams, they readily admitted, and I think in some cases with uh, abundant honesty and forthrightness, which is refreshing. But before we get to that, Mark D'Antonio, in his press conference, I opened with the question about the fourth quarter and whether or not this is an area of focus or an area of concern. And how concerned is he about the way Michigan State is finishing games? Coach D'Antonio gave a rather nuanced answer to this, which is understandable, and here he is in his own words. Well, we got to finish. You know, some of these things, are they're all different scenarios. I really haven't looked and said, okay, what's happened, um, and itemized them be quite honest with you, but, uh, you know, obviously this last week, onside kick, trick play, one drive in the fourth quarter, which they were down on the 10-yard line, you know, I think, beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, the Arizona State game, you know, that, that football game sort of, you, you know, the storyline on that one. Uh, but uh, big drive in the fourth quarter, you know, not a lot going on other than that. And then the Indiana game, they scored, uh, I guess, um, field goal at maybe 10 points in the fourth, something of that nature. So, so yeah, you know, I guess you create another opportunity for me to go back and look at that again. So. so the question I would ask coming out of that and following up with you listening right now is, do you buy it? Do you believe it? Is he shadow boxing here a little bit and saying, look, we're going to handle this internally. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag that, you know, this is a point of panic or anything like that. But I cannot imagine that behind closed doors, he and Mike Tressel aren't sitting down going, look, we have a problem with finishing. And Mike Tressel said it in the post-game press conference when I asked him about it against Central Michigan that he hoped, to use that word in quotes and in, with a bold face, italicized, he hoped it wasn't a lack of focus. But the follow-up to that, the other shoe dropping on that comment is maybe he feared that it was. It's still a young team in many regards. The leadership is young. Joe Bocci's a junior. And it's upon it's incumbent upon Joe, it's incumbent upon Kari Willis, but really the entire defense and the guys up front to look around and say, hey, this ain't happening again on our watch. 
We're playing 60 full minutes. We got a conference title to chase. We're still very much in that race. 1-0 heading into Big Ten play now for the remainder of the season, and it starts with Northwestern on Saturday, homecoming. A legit team. They've had bad luck. There's no way around that. They are far worse record-wise than I thought they'd be at this point, and they point-blank blew a game against Michigan in almost historic fashion. One of the greatest comebacks of Wolverines history, a 17-0 lead at one point for Northwestern evaporated, and they let off the gas. I guess you could say two teams that mirror each other in that regard, but who's going to blink first here? We'll see. Pressure is key. And the first part of my conversation here is with Kenny Willekes. The video is posted on my YouTube channel, which you can find as well. You can find it on a different hub now. New posting, new tab for you with our videos that we shoot, Adam and I. And this is Kenny Willekes commenting on the fourth quarter, on closing out, on what he needs to do against Clayton Thorson. Here is that audio. Kenny, Mike Panisha calls you an animal. Is that a fair assessment? I guess so. You could say that. You seem to be playing with a little bit more, I want to call it flair, a little more pizzazz, if you will. Is there something to playing with an edge, an attitude, a personality out there for you? Yeah, you know, I, have, I got a year of experience last year, obviously, so I was still feeling out defensive end last year, and I feel like I've started coming to my own, own a little bit this year. And, uh, you know, and I credit most of it to Chuck Bull. You know, he's Coach Bull. Uh, he's <laughs> taken uh, me under his wing. He's taught me so much. He's, he rides me very hard each and every day. But uh, the things that he's taught me, the things that he's given me to add to my tool belt, you know, I'm forever grateful because he's continued to make me a better player each and every day. Something Mike and Raekwon both said is, Finishing in the fourth quarter is a point of emphasis for you guys. You haven't done that. You've been outscored 44-7 over the last three games in the fourth quarter. How do you close out? How do you hold guys accountable to make sure you sprint through the finish line? Uh, I think it just starts every day in practice. You know, we got to make sure we're finishing in practice each and every day and uh, just bring bringing the energy for all, all and being focused and bringing energy throughout the entire practice so we can do the same for the game. Is there anything that you take away from the Michigan game against Northwestern just this past week? Anything that stands out to you about how you're going to attack Clayton Thorson? Uh, we just got to get pressure on him. He's, a, he's obviously an experienced quarterback. He's a great quarterback. He's got composure. He's going to get rid of the ball. But we got to uh, put pressure on him and get pressure on him. Finally, Kenny, how are you feeling physically right now at this point in the season? <laughs> I feel good. I feel ready to go. Yes, sir. All right. So Kenny Willickis gets it. He's growing into his role personality-wise. I think he's evolving into more of a character, and I think that uh, bodes well for a Spartan defense that could use a little flash and flair and uh, have a little swagger in how they play, some confidence and trying to instill their will upon their opponent. And a lot of that starts up front. It is Kenny Willekes. He's an animal, as you'll hear from Mike Panashuk right here. And another interesting part about the conversation is the salt and pepper aspect for these two. Mike Panashuk and Raekwon Williams, you could say, and as I watch him interact, that Raekwon Williams is as much a brother in that truest sense to Mike Panashuk as Mike's own brother Jacob is on the same defensive line. They're close, they're tight-knit, but Raekwon is right there. They, they complement one another. They do it in this exchange here that I had with the two of them. As I started the conversation with Mike, Raekwon came over, and he chimed in with some interesting commentary when asked about the kind of fades to the finish and how he categorizes that, the words that he used. So let's go to that entire exchange right here. I hope you enjoy it. Here with Mike Panashuk for the second time on Great Lakes Divide. Uh, Mike, take us through the defensive line, where it is right now, four games in, compared to where you thought it would be when we last spoke before the season. Um, I feel like you know we're just where we want to be. Number one rush defense in the nation. 
you know, obviously we just got to get after the quarterback a little bit more, but, you know, throughout the weeks with experience and seeing different teams and what they're going to throw at us, you know, we'll be able to get after the quarterback. Let me give you some word association with some of your teammates. First, I'll start with yourself. With your role on the defensive line, how would you describe or define it? Um, you know, just keeping everyone in line, you know, if it's doing extra stuff uh, after practice or stuff in the weight room with film, anything like that, just trying to keep those guys behind me ready because you never know when, you know, those ones or twos can go down. Kenny Willekes. Kid's a monster. You know, he brings it every day at practice, game, you know, all the time he's bringing it. So he's picking everybody up, bringing that energy, and it just makes our team a whole lot better. Raekwon Williams. He's also another monster, you know, he's my sidekick, you know, he's my pepper. We call each other salt and pepper. So, you know, just battling with him every single day, just, I'm, I mean, I'm more comfortable with him and just battling with him every day. Just wouldn't want to have anyone else there by my side. Tough one now, Jacob Panishuk. Oh, I mean, you know, just the history behind him, you know, looking down the line, being able to see him down the line. I just get thoughts in my head of, you know, through high school, childhood, you know, he's always been there for me and I've always been there for him. So being able to play at this level is huge. Seeing that you speak Polish to each other on the line, what are the calls that you use to communicate with one another? Uh, you know, I'm not going to give out any calls. Okay. You know, I don't want Fair any enough. teams to pick up, pick up on that. But, you know, we have a lot of calls, you know, where he's going first, I'm going second, stuff like that. And... You know, hopefully we can get it down to the other guys on the D-line and maybe confuse more teams with more, you know, more guys. You've seen some good quarterbacks at this point, but a very experienced one in Clayton Thorson coming in. You guys have had your battles, including last year. What is the special challenge of going up against somebody like him with so much experience? The thing is that I played against uh, Clayton in high school, so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, playing him in college level, I know what, he, I know what he's going to bring to the table. I know that, you know, he's a big, you know, NFL prototype quarterback and you know he's going to bring it our defense is going to bring it and it's just going to be another opportunity to see if our defense can step up. You mentioned you're aware that you guys have the number one rush defense in the nation just over 40 yards a game that's paltry that's a very small number through a 30-year season now to this point are there other numbers that you look at whether it's as a team or as individual stats on paper where you go I'm doing my job or I need to do better? Um, I mean you know we just got to get after the quarterback you know we can see that you know, teams are exposing us in the pass game and stuff like that. So we just got to, as a defensive line, we just got to get after the quarterback a little bit more. You know, we obviously don't see those stats on paper, just like the run game. But, you know, that's something that we got to keep improving on. You mentioned getting to the quarterback now a couple of times. As you go back and watch that video from Central Michigan, I got a couple questions here. But first, before I taint your opinion with anything, what stood out to you about the game against Central from your perspective? Um, From my perspective, you know, we just got to get – after pushing the quarterback, we got to get off the lineman and actually, you know, put a hit on the quarterback. And I feel like we're able to do that. And you know, through practice, just got to keep keep working at it, keep working on it, so we can get those quarterback hits and those sacks. You know, you look at the NFL, and it might be even more squirrely at that level. But I go back to a play late in the fourth quarter. Raquan Williams gets hit with the roughing the passer. Now it's in the natural process of pursuing the quarterback. Mm -hmm. He finishes the play, and in the pass, that's not a big deal. But now it is. How do you guys gauge that? Um, I mean, personally, you know, I told him, I told him that I would have done the same exact thing mm -hmm. that he did, and I mean, I don't blame him. You know, we're, we've been playing football ever since we were younger. Those hits, you know, we want to hit the quarterback. That's, you know, that's our job. So him getting that penalty, you know, it is what it is. But you know, nowadays, we just gotta, I don't know, we just gotta figure it out and see where our limits are, honestly. 
And, I mean, personally, I, I'm not mad at him whatsoever. I would have done the same exact thing. You've been outscored now 44-7 to in the fourth quarter over the last three games. Why? Uh, personally, I feel like, you know, teams are just – yeah, I, I, I got my guy right here. He can help me out. Are you guys going to interview the together question. the whole rest of the year? I think better? we should do that, honestly. Where's Jake at? Where's Jake at? Jake? Jake, where's Jake? Oh, they, they, they he left. But, I mean, in the fourth quarter, being outscored in the fourth quarter, what do you think? Uh, From uh, Northwestern? No, like just, just past four games. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's a big emphasis. We we can't keep letting uh, – Letting up on teams. That's yeah. a big thing. We, we let up on a lot of teams after a while. We think the game's done. But we, we know that's a, that's a big thing for us, and we need to improve on that. And that's the main thing we need to improve on. How do you crack that whip? You guys are both leaders on this team. Um, and just, you know, just bringing it down to the, the lower level. You know, the, or the twos, the threes, those guys that are underneath. You know, bringing it down to the sideline and uh, just having them on the sideline bringing up that energy you know if it's someone losing focus or something like that you know it only it's only one per if one person has an ma you know then it can be a touchdown at that point yeah it's a game of inches so everyone has to be doing their job on the field finally uh, on the defense who is the guy that everybody else is the most scared of on the defense mm -hmm. i don't think nobody's scared of nobody yeah i don't think so either Probably this guy. He's just tough. He's Me? Tough. He's got the no, beard. no, 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 no. This guy brings it every day at practice. Him, when he, whenever he yells and gets mad, it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> that really happens though. It's like nah, maybe. It, yeah. it happens a lot. You scared <laughs> me, bro. You scared me, really. So, bottom line, what to expect from Michigan State on Saturday against a wounded Northwestern team whose confidence is shaken, coming off that disappointing. Bitter home loss to Michigan, a big pelt on the wall, an enormous win that might have turned their season around, and yet here are their Wildcats basically clinging to life, I think, when it comes to bowl eligibility. They're 1-3. They've dropped three straight games after a season-opening win in conference play at Purdue. They've lost at home to Duke. They've lost at home to Akron, and they lost at home to Michigan, a game they feel they probably should have won. Now they go on the road to Michigan State. They still have road contests against Iowa and Minnesota. They still have home games against Wisconsin, Notre Dame. If you just do the math from there, if they lose in East Lansing, bowl eligibility for Northwestern is very much in doubt. They would have to win at least half of those games I mentioned. Wisconsin, Notre Dame, both ranked in the top 16 at Iowa, at Minnesota, and those are all in four successive weeks at the end of October and through November, there is a real chance that if they lose four of those five games, that's seven losses, that's out of the bowl conversation at five and seven. And quite frankly, this is a team, after going 10-3 and three a year ago, after beating Michigan State, after winning their bowl game, with Clayton Thorson returning, and I know Jeremy Larkin, they lose him to an unfortunate spinal condition at running back, but that does not explain their immense struggles to this point, and I believe they will continue. I look for Brian Lewerke to have a nice bounce-back effort. It's got to happen at some point. I believe it's going to click for him, and it'll be a very real and noticeable turning of the corner and turning of the page on a season so far that's been very uneven, a bit unpredictable. He's been erratic in turnovers. 
He knows the problem. Brian Lewerke's a very smart young man, and I believe he's going to figure it out. And I think that starts this Saturday against the Northwestern Wildcats. Sure, they're favored by 10. I don't like the Spartans by that much. They, they never do, right? They never close out, really, on these double-digit spreads. Could be a backdoor cover. But I do like Michigan State to win this game, a final score of a 31-24. to We'll go 31-24, and Michigan State will be off and running in Big Ten play. They're going to need it because, obviously, the schedule is only going to get tougher from here. After the Northwestern test, guess what? They go on the road to Penn State. They come back home to face Michigan. A little bit later on, they've got Ohio State coming to town. So this is their final real dress rehearsal tune-up before the primetime matchups, and they can't take this one for granted. They cannot overlook Northwestern on homecoming with the trip to Happy Valley looming around the corner. It'll be a noon start on Fox Sports 1. I know all of you will be watching. So that'll do it for us from here for now. I'll be live in East Lansing. You can follow me on Twitter for real-time updates and analysis at Ryan Schuling. Adam Biggers will be in Ann Arbor as the Wolverines take on the Maryland Terrapins at Adam Biggers 81 and follow all of it at GL Divide, Twitter and Facebook, online at GreatLakesDivide.com. We'll have full post-game analysis and commentary coming up this weekend. You can also look for my article profiling the defensive line previewing the game against Northwestern coming up again online at greatlakesdivide.com. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Divide podcast.